All right, everybody, welcome back to another awesome episode of the Crypto 101 podcast, where we speak to founders, CEOs, and the smartest people building up the Bitcoin, blockchain, and crypto industry. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, P-Tokens and P-Network. Uh, and if you've been listening to Crypto 101 for any amount of time, you've heard us call 2020 the year of interoperability. Over and over again, we're talking about this concept, and that's because the smartest teams in crypto are all focused on bridging the divide between the many different cryptocurrencies. So, imagine in the future, you won't have to worry about managing a million different addresses for your Bitcoin and your Ethereum and Litecoin and Tezos and EOS and all that stuff, right? Rather, you'll be able to send any crypto to any address at any time time. Well, that future is here and it's made possible by P Networks P Tokens. And the ticker symbol for that is PNT. So beyond that, P Tokens are able to be staked with a 42% annual yield. Wow. So that means if you stake a thousand tokens, by the end of the year, you would have earned an additional 420 tokens. I mean, that is serious business and it's a great way to be earning passive income. So if you want to learn more about the P Network, the leading protocol enabling interoperability, or how you can earn 42% annual yield on your P tokens, click the link in our show notes or go to www.p.network. Again, that's www.p, as in the letter P, dot network. Before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy-to-understand way. Uh, and we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to Crypto101Insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, it took 11 months of our lives to write, and we're calling it Crypto Revolution, Your Guide to the Future of Money. We walk you through this fascinating world of cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and it's part history book, it's part instructional guide, and it's going to really show you guys why cryptocurrencies are globally disruptive and how they're going to actually change in real life and in real terms the way that we buy and sell and even live. We include a bunch of how-tos on getting started with your first exchanges. Uh, we give you tips on you know, how to safely buy and sell and store cryptocurrencies, as well as how do we evaluate potentially good cryptocurrencies. And the best part of the book is that we're giving it away for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling. So go to CryptoRevolution.com and pick up your copy today. All right, all you good folks out there, tuning into another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. We are having ourselves a merry start to the week. We've done three podcasts today. It has been a wild, wild ride. Um, we've, <laughs> Pete's, how do we even start, man? This has been uh, quite the day. 
And, you know, I'm really excited about the fact that, you know, we've got, you know, an ex-NASA engineer on with us today, an ex, and not, I shouldn't say an ex now, but uh, really a merchants and, and payments specialist. Uh, Pete, why do you give us a warm introduction here to, to our guest today? This is the man, the myth, the legend, Tyler Spaulding from formerly known as Flexicoin, now Amp Token, uh, one of my favorite people in the space. We were just having a great conversation about why Apple is probably the next uh, corporation to get slapped with a monopoly lawsuit and how much joy that's going to bring to our lives. Um, but we were not going to talk about that topic today. We're going to talk about Amp Token and all the amazing stuff that he's building over there right now to change the world. But let's give the audience your whole backstory, Tyler. And don't be modest. This is not the time or place. All right. Uh, nice to meet you guys again. Uh, I definitely will say that uh, you guys have one of the best podcasts out there. I love uh, what you guys are doing in terms of just the, the kind of the approach to education, uh, lots of different topics and really approaching it, bringing more people into the space. Uh, obviously, everything we're doing here at Plexa is really about mainstream adoption. So this is just perfectly aligned with what we're looking to do. Uh, help people more about this stuff. So, I mean, this is great. So Thank truly you. a pleasure to be speaking with you guys. Um, yeah, the the short story on me, I guess. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur for uh, technology for more one year or so. I've started uh, four companies. Uh, I'm formally trained as an aerospace engineer. So as was mentioned, so I was at uh, NASA on the space shuttle program uh, for a few years. Uh, also got to work on uh, heavy lift vehicle. Um, the Mars vehicle that will ultimately go land on Mars someday, hopefully, the Mars crew module, uh, which is just fascinating stuff. I've loved that. But then also been down payments for a little more than 10 years and then also uh, crypto. Um, so almost at my 10-year anniversary of mining my first Bitcoin. So had been along for the entire journey um, of, of crypto uh and er everything that that entails uh the good bad and the ugly so i, I love um, that you're like the best kept secret in crypto because you're also like the elon musk of crypto you also come from a payments background you're taking stuff and technology to mars uh i just love the parallels and that you're still able to take time out to hang out with your good old friends here at the crypto 101 podcast oh, that man, may not be a luxury we for have sure. forever but i'm glad we still have Always. it right now for sure. Uh, I mean, it's really, again, it's about building stuff you want people to use, right? And it's it's not necessarily about, uh, you know, making money and trying to uh, kind of be more prominent, right? It's about like, hey, can this make people's lives better? Is this usable? Uh, what is it changing? Uh, and what experience do you have to bring that to light? And then, you know, work really hard to do it. Um, so the team is really committed to that. And so we work really, really hard towards those goals. So uh, super exciting. Again, talking to you guys. Uh, in perpetuity, this will be fun. Hell yeah. Um, so let's, before we dive into the specifics and stuff, uh, there was a rebrand recently from Flexicoin and it was this flexible, you know, kind of uh, collateral for merchants to have very quick payments to now the AMP token. Is there anything material that has changed uh, or is it just a name? Uh, man, uh, so yes and no. Um, so I guess to start off, um, we're actually... Uh, so functionally, at a very high level, uh, Flexicoin and AMP are exactly the same. Um, and we also were not unhappy with uh, Flexicoin. So there was never anything of us saying, we want to change this, or something is wrong, 
or we're trying to make an improvement from like the name, let's say. Um, it was really all about when you talk about these crypto networks or uh, these platforms, it's just what is the utility? What is this thing for? Like, why does it even exist? And for us, this token is truly meant to just be a collateral token. Uh, as very one specific utility and will remain that utility. But we ran into, as we've now grown, so as we've gone from, you know, completing the network and it's entirely having it all function to now also having literally more than uh, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of collateral staked in our contracts, as we've seen all of this growth, uh, one of the things that was, I guess we would say, uh, a little sub-optimized, let's say, is... We're getting a lot larger in terms of the partnerships, the integrations. We really want Flexa-enabled apps to be usable all over the world, right? The largest merchants, the largest players. And what we're building, we have very, very big aspirations for, which means that even though we want this to be as democratic as possible and as many people around the world participate, there's going to be some other large partnerships that we have that people are helping us. And so you guys being involved in crypto, um, having various hardware providers or software providers say, hey, we'd like to participate in Plexa and we'd like to own and stake these tokens. Because as we've talked about before, the tokens is where all of the value accrues in our network. Like there isn't a, an entity that has equity that's earning um, value. It's all in the token network we've created. So all participants basically need to have this token. So for them to hold it, it's a harder value proposition for people to have large sums of dollars uh, in large organizations um, and using MetaMask and self-custodying funds. Uh, that just gets a little challenging. And we're trying to make this, again, ubiquitous and have everyone use this. And so what we really wanted was, could we work with exchanges and could we work with, let's say, custody accounts and stake the tokens from those custody accounts without having to necessarily move them into a smart contract. And so that was sort of the issue that we faced. And we decided that it actually was solvable. Uh, we had to basically invent some new technology. We repurposed some stuff that was out there. But essentially what we did was we made an ERC-20 compatible token that is stakeable in a smart contract without literally moving it. So very similar to how something like Compound has vote delegation. You don't need to move your tokens anywhere. You can assign them to someone else to vote on your behalf. We've now done something similar with collateral tokens in that the user still maintains custody of the token, but they're able to assign conditional staking rights to another third party or another uh, smart contract. And so that was really it. So we developed that. Uh, we jointly developed that with uh, Consensus, uh, which was really exciting for us to be able to really approach it from that ubiquity perspective and creating a new token interface for people to interact with best. Um, and so in doing that, we said, this is now great. We're really excited. We're trying to build this collateral token that is as usable as possible. Uh, but unfortunately, us being crypto and trying to be as decentralized as possible, we couldn't upgrade the token contract. So we didn't have the admin uh, functionality to do that. So it kind of by default meant for us to get this out in the world and get used, we had to create another token, which meant a swap needed to take place. So uh, we did that. And now it was saying, all right, well, we're kind of starting from scratch a little bit. What else would we want to optimize? So even though the token is exactly the same purpose, nothing else has, has changed from that perspective. And one of the things on the branding side is... Uh, 
many, many people, despite our best efforts, would still come to us and ask, um, uh, this FlexiCoin is the payments coin. This is the coin that you use to buy things with. Oh, the merchants receive FlexiCoin. And we heard that enough. And so we said, all right, well, it might make a lot of sense for us to pull these, these brands apart a little bit. So Flexa as an entity and the network is entirely unchanged. But now the collateral token that powers it is called AMP. And we chose that name. Uh, we like the engineering connotation. Our, uh, our contracts are Flexa capacity contracts. And so AMP is a unit of, that provides uh, electricity or current uh, that can provide capacity. So the engines in us loved that, uh, the name, but it's also a short, pronounceable, more um, easier, right, across other jurisdictions, countries, things like that. So we just took the opportunity to call it something else based on just user feedback and what we had seen to uh, make this more successful, make it more accessible to people. That's really interesting. There's so many token swaps and contract upgrades going on right now in response to different hacks and situations like that. What are some signs from your mind as a CEO that it might be time for a company to consider rebranding or changing something to avoid confusion? Uh, I would say um, there, there could, uh, I bet, be a lot of reasons. But for me, it's almost truly just the user feedback. It's the people that are using uh, the product. How are they using it? What are they calling it? Uh, what are they confused by? What do they like? So I'd say in from our perspective, it was 99% just that user feedback of us having this out there in the wild, people using it, and the actual users. So in Flexo, we have you know merchants and all the integrations we have on the one side, and then we have the wallets and consumers spending on those wallets on the other side. And the collateral token kind of sits in the middle that powers and is sort of the heart engine of the entire thing. And depending on who is interacting with the system and how, uh, it really could work out to where a user um, or a spender and a merchant don't even need to really know that the token is there and how the token works. They don't have to participate in the technology powering the network itself. Um, that's like almost any technology, any modern technology that's there. So that also made it a little better for us. Of If FlexiCoin is so attached to Flexa it just almost becomes this default of, oh, to use um, to use Flexa as a merchant or to use Flexa as a user, I need to have FlexaCoin, which really couldn't be further from the truth. You can, you absolutely can. And we encourage uh, both consumers, spenders, merchants, and others to, uh, to have collateral in the network. We definitely encourage that, but it's not required. So we felt just it was purely based on the feedback of all the partners and, and actual users of the system we had. That just made a lot of sense. And it'll still take us a little bit of time. Uh, but then it also gives intense uh, flexibility. So AMP right now, um, you see you know, the greater DeFi movement, right? And how AMP might participate now in various, um, like providing liquidity for the token, right? So AMP could be on some of these, uh, have other integrations on some of these other DeFi platforms. And then it would even get further misconstrued, I think. If it was Flexa coin as the thing of Flexa, well, what is Flexa connected to all these things now for? Like, what does this make sense? And so it truly was just about the actual use and the feedback we we heard from folks. That's really helpful. So, you know, for anybody who's listening, it is a one-to-one -one token swap. There is now no more Flexa. It is just AMP. Is that correct? 
Yes, uh, there's a little bit, uh, there's a few stragglers out there uh, with Flexicoin, but uh, that's another thing. It's a non-custodial swap. It'll be around forever. There's no time limits, no funny business, no bonuses, no uh, swap windows, nothing else like that. They're equivalent um, with the exception of um, now all of the Flexa capacity contracts no longer accept Flexicoin as collateral. Uh, it's only AMP. So if you are listening and you still have any Flexicoin, you definitely want to swap that and get it staked in the capacity contract to start earning the network rewards. Makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned that the network is alive and well. Where are you at in terms of further development or what's next on the roadmap? Oh, I love that question. Uh, that's kind of what, what was really motivating us. Uh, the network itself is completely built, has uh, been now live and completely functional for more than a year at this point. So really proud of that. Next steps are how do we now just make it bigger and better? So more partnerships on the merchant side, uh, more wallet integrations, uh, making it easier to now use uh, Flexa itself. And then also AMP, uh, providing more liquidity to AMP, access to AMP. We we don't, this won't be as nearly as exciting if AMP ends up in 2,000 token holders holding the majority of it or entities owning all of these tokens. Like right. that doesn't really change the status quo, right? So we do need lots and lots of users. That's what makes, it's not even about some ethos we have. It literally makes the network that much better and that much more powerful when you distribute out the ownership of the token. Um, it's actually something we covered uh, in the new AMP white paper. If anyone um, is curious to take a look at it, we've actually done some analysis specific to that of how the network becomes more performant and uh, less volatility within the token itself and ultimately more valuable by distributing the ownership of the token and staking the token across lots and lots of different wallets at different times. And the more sort of heterogeneous the network looks, the more powerful it becomes. Fascinating. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, like central bank digital currencies. Um, and specifically just because the other day uh, we were tuning into the IMF's summit this week, uh, the gist of it, they're seeking platforms that can plug into everyone's existing legacy systems. Um, so what, I mean, what are your thoughts around CBDCs central bank digital currencies in general, um, and what pieces of the puzzle might AMP be able to provide to a global payments network? Uh, yeah, so from a pure, so one thing I guess I would mention, uh, almost the caveat up front, is that everything you just mentioned is 100% not Bitcoin, not Ethereum, not open blockchains. Those are so radically different in the philosophies, what they're used for, their utility to people in terms of whether it's money, uh, other distributed ownership, however you'd like to place values on those things, they are very, very different. And a lot of times they get bundled into the same discussion, um, which is a shame, but you know it is what it is. And this is what you guys are here for, uh, to help people recognize those are very, very distinctly different things. So when I, and I only want to caveat that is because then I will say, I love everything you just mentioned. From a pure Flexa perspective, we are all about enabling any digital asset to be spendable anywhere in the world as absolutely cheaply as possible and make this you know, commerce completely changing the cost and efficiency of commerce. And that means any digital asset that people ascribe value to 
we want to enable it to be spendable instantly. And that is absolutely not the case right now. And that if you have something, any digital asset that you have, let's say it's um, uh, an airline mile, let's say, right? Like you're a, a loyalty program it's from uh, an airline. You can't go to another country and spend that token, that digital token somewhere. I mean, because they're not going to accept it. There's no medium of exchange for that to occur. Uh, or even easier, um, you could have your bank account that might have dollars in the U.S. and even go, uh, you know, Europe. They don't accept digital dollars. They don't accept an ACH bank transfer in dollars. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Uh, yeah. And not only do they not accept it, but now you're getting into the whole, uh, the, the myriad of challenges of like, what's that asset? Is it valid? How long does it take for it to be confirmed? Um, not even thinking in the blockchain sense, but related to blockchains. But so validating assets, are these assets good? Can I exchange them? Are they worth anything to me? So from that perspective, the more and more and more of these assets that are accepted that people will find value um, to and use as value, that is absolutely a part of our mission. And so that will make, and, and we actually think it, it not only is very valuable to our network, but provides an even greater use case because the more and more of these types of currencies are out there or assets are out there, the need will now exist. Because imagine now if you're a merchant and you want to accept uh, the new Bank X coin, right? So you can you can be sure, probably not all the banks, because there's been really no history of this ever, of them all collaborating on one standard where they're all going to be interchangeable and they're all going to treat their tokens all the same, which means that Bank Y will have their coin too, and then Bank Z and, and so on and so forth. So if you're a merchant saying, all right, well, now I don't just accept dollar bills. I have to now accept... 30 different banking currencies and the slight tweaks around how I verify them and how I custody them and how I, I send them to other people. Like what in the world does this look like? Like that just becomes such an unsurmountable issue. And yeah, quite frankly, <laughs> yeah, it's not the merchant's business. They just want to get paid. They just want to get money and go about paying all of their other employees and their operations and everything else and run a business. Getting paid isn't a part of their business. So that's literally what Plexa does is we say, well, we'll take all 30, we'll take 100, we'll take 1,000, we'll take 50,000, and we'll just give you what you want to the merchant. And we can actually do it at a cost less than an offset out there. Um, so, so yeah, that's sort of the value proposition. So we believe that any sort of new digital currency or asset is tremendously valuable to what we're doing at Flexa. And we think, honestly, we also think it is 100% inevitable and in that these, these platforms are getting created they're existing faster than ever. There's going to be um, institutions uh, like private organizations doing it, um, just as we've seen with you know blockchains and crypto tokens, right? You get go from zero to thousands. It'll be very similar, we think. Uh, with all hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. 
And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months, but don't worry when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recordings. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy video lock is 24 seven. So you don't have to worry about any issues you have. And it comes with an 18 month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one with the three-in-one. You don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success all sorts of other digital assets uh, and currencies, um, banks, countries, you name it. Touching on that IMF summit, there were so many people that spoke there that were attached to these uh, central banks or related organizations. And while they're very curious about the idea of a cryptocurrency and stuff like that, they're very nervous. They don't like change. According to their own statements, they've been doing research into this stuff for years, but they don't understand anything about a trustless network. They don't understand anything about the different options of smart contracts and how they can be regulatory compliant. They're just very, very nervous, but interested. The problem is they've also, like you mentioned, like they can't agree on anything. So they've decided to agree to disagree hopefully come up with some kind of API standard and then just let everyone do whatever they want to do. So this thing is going to drag out forever and make everything very, very difficult. How difficult is it from your end, from the development end, to keep up with all this stuff? Is there going to be a first mover advantage to reacting to every little whim that every country does? Or is it really just you know wait until the dust settles and see what happens? 
Uh, it's sort of both, actually. Um, and, and the way that we approach that is Flexa as an entity is not just the one thing that is trying to own everything and encapsulate every single possible permutation. Um, we mean it very, very literally when we call it the Flexa network, and it is a network. So one great example is that all of the asset exchanges or asset exchange that occurs within Flexa, Flexa does not do that, uh, and we never will do it. Uh, Flexa is not an exchange, even though one asset will come in and another asset will come out. We work with all types of exchanges that are compliant in the jurisdictions for those various tokens, how they're then classified. We really are a network of all of these entities that do that are the best in what they do and provide the services that make the most sense um, to our network. And so I think that's the way you actually will scale this and you can move very quickly in that for us, it's all about, we just need to build ultimately the software and the technology to connect to the merchants as best as possible in a, in a way that's going to work for them. And as we scale that out, it's just about adding in now all of the best partners along the way to allow us to uh, remain compliant um, and, and Flexa uh, um, kind of obtaining the licenses as needed, absolutely ourselves, but um, working with just the best in class and the entities that help us move more quickly you can move, it's almost in the true spirit of decentralization, right? Rather than relying on one or two entities, we can have hundreds uh, all participating within Flexa to make it just that much better. I'd love to kind of stick on that point a little bit, but look at it through a lens of how you guys are measuring success. And something that would be obvious to me and any of the listeners is, well, how many users do you have and how many merchants, right? That adoption. So I'd love to hear a little bit about some some key milestones that you guys have achieved that you're really proud of in that regard. Uh, and then secondary, uh, just like, are there other key metrics that you guys are looking at that might not be so obvious? Uh, sure. Um, the top level metric, I think that matters more than anything else is just volume in the network. Um, so that would be payment volume because that is just, regardless of what uh, forms it takes, it shows that it's working and that people are using it and they're obviously finding value in it. So regardless of what assets are getting exchanged, regardless of what merchants, if we have very high levels of payment volume, well, hey, it's pretty irrefutable that there's market traction here and this works. So that's kind of the high level. Uh, however, in getting to that, like any business or project, there's probably 20 or 30 individual variables that, that contribute highly to that. So as you mentioned, it could be wallet integrations, it could be um, token liquidity, it could be uh, token collateralization ratios. It could be merchants. It could be all different sorts of integrations with the merchants, that types of assets we support, um, you name it. And so those are all things that we sort of keep a pulse on and move sort of in parallel as best as possible. And the things that we're most excited about now, um, so we got uh, a little behind uh, as the, the rest of the world uh, with COVID as um, sort of everyone has really struggled and, and, and with the pandemic. So we've just accelerated efforts. Just a little shake on yeah. operations, yeah. just a little bit. Um, yeah, so going to the, the store uh, to buy things has just been a little less on some of the, the priority. And it's if you're a merchant as well, right? Even though this is something that can be very valuable to you, I mean, it's very hard to prioritize. I mean, when when survival, when you're when you're literally at survival, or how do you, you know, work through some of your operational processes and ensure you actually have you know food or products on the shelves? There are more existential problems 
Um, but that said, we think it's actually even shined a, a greater light on the value of cheaper and more efficient payments, especially now contactless payments and purely digital payments. So it's been really interesting for us in that we think the interest in the inbound that we've received from merchants is even greater than ever before. Um, now it's just more about some of the priorities as, as we've built this out. Uh, we've now uh, looking to get uh, our online integrations uh, up sooner than we originally had planned. And then some of the exciting kind of um, upcoming, I guess, partnerships otherwise will just be some of the largest merchants in the world that we can continue adding, as well as some really cool promotions we will now run with them. So rather than just being, this is something that really hasn't really been done. When's the last time uh, you went into a merchant and they talked about the the card in your wallet and they were exciting about it and promoting it, right? Like, oh, this debit card or this credit card, they, they just don't really do that. Because to them, it's, you use the card, you make the payment and we accept all of the stuff and it is what it is. We're really trying to even change the paradigm a little there where can we have merchants now working so closely with us where they're actually excited about people using these digital payment methods and using something like Flexa to where we can be jointly kind of marketing this product, which we think is going to be very exciting. We have a few of those lined up and that is going to be super, super I, I want to share more, but you, you know how a lot of these things yeah. go, but it will be it's, very, it's very exciting to kind of, yeah, to really change the way that people even think about payments and what they're supporting and how they're really making this, this, uh, kind of the whole experience better for everyone. Yeah. And it's, you guys are just, I mean, it's the perfect time for a company like Flexa just because of this move towards cashlessness. Um, and even like, you know, I'll go out to the bars or restaurants with my friends and stuff. And now we're becoming accustomed and it's becoming part of the fabric of society to scan a QR code in order to get a menu. And so it's just mm-hmm. one step away now from, scanning the QR code to get the menu. And at the end of the meal, scanning the QR code and paying with digital currency of some sort of which Flexa can facilitate all of those payments. So it's just, you know, if you, if you started this business, you know, five or five or six years ago would have been so far away as away. But since we did have this catalyst for, you know, which accelerated the trend growth of any sort of telemedicine or, or digital first industry uh, with COVID, it's just really, really a sweet spot. But, uh, before I kind of get your response and, and kind of vibes around that, I, I, I was I was curious about kind of like of all the assets that do have payment volume on Flexo, what do you see as generally the highest? Uh, I would uh, almost turn that back at you guys a little. What do you think might be the highest? Uh, uh, I don't want to give away just yet, but of all the assets that could exist between, because we accept a lot of the major ones, um, stable coins, open blockchains, some more permission chains. Uh, what do you think is the category that would be number one? I would guess Bitcoin Cash. Uh, surprisingly, by an overwhelming number, it's Bitcoin. And okay. we surprisingly, despite the counter negative that uh, the counter narrative, right? That people that don't really want to use that for payments, um, it's it's uh, undeniably number one. Uh, Litecoin is number two, um, and Bitcoin. So we think. We do think, um, you know, Bitcoin might not be as optimized for smaller payments for sure. Uh, but we think it's a lot of just the enthusiast audience that we've started with. And so people that are using this product now. And I mean, it's crazy. You go on Twitter and you see all these videos, of these people using these apps and like, 
and and, and shop at these stores with this stuff. It's crazy. It's super exciting for us to be able to see that how how like motivated people are. Um, yeah. So it's probably more of Bitcoin is still a token that most people have, and they're very excited to still evangelize that and talk about it. Um, but surprisingly, even with stable coins and other types of assets, uh, Bitcoin is still leading the way as of now. Uh, we'll see if that gap closes uh, sooner than later. Um, and we're going to be able to start sharing a lot more information, data, and transparency into how all this stuff is working uh, as it starts really rolling out uh, in the coming year. <clears throat> awesome. Uh, one thing, um, you know, kind of before we get into closing questions, I have one question. Pete's might have a couple other questions for you, but something I want to kind of get your temperature on is this big trend. And I think it's going to be a bit, probably the biggest narrative that we're going to be discussing uh, in 2021. For 2020, ever since, you know, January, me and Pete's have been saying interoperability, right? 2020 is going to be the year of interoperability. Sure enough, that's exactly what we saw. 2021, I'm wagering, is going to be the year of treasuries being converted into Bitcoin, right? Publicly traded companies, privately owned companies, um, taking a portion of their cash balances and putting them into Bitcoin as a sort of reserve currency. We saw MicroStrategy do it recently for $425 million. We saw Square, which is uh, Jack Dorsey of Twitter's company, right? $50 million. You probably, you know, rub elbows with some of these guys over in New York. What is, you know, what do you guys see from your vantage point? Do you think this is an actual viable trend that's going to really start to heat up? I mean, these guys are laying the framework. They're literally outlining bullet point by bullet point with regulatory documents of how to do this. I think it's going to catch fire. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree with you. Um, I will say that for the most part, um, the entities we interact with, or on the merchant side and the payment side um, just aren't there yet. Uh, they've got probably a few more years to go before they look at allocating just even liquid funds or treasuries in that manner. Uh, so it's a little bit outside of my immediate purview of who we work with and who we talk to around some of these strategies. Um, but I definitely think you're onto something there and you are seeing this trend of people recognizing it. It's, it's really just a hedge. Right. So it's by having cash on hand, if it's something they can put into a, um, you know, a non-inflationary asset. Uh, and especially when they're looking at um, all of the, the global stimulus. Right. So I think that that's where you get really interesting narratives, which is you can you can say what you will. I think it's arguable in so many different ways. Right. Positive, negatives, however you want to argue it. But it is undeniable that Bitcoin literally created, literally created for the situation we have right now, where there is arguably multiples and multiples of uh, all types of currency getting printed at an unprecedented rate. Uh, you know, you read things, something like, oh, half of all of U.S. currency was printed in the, the past X years, right? I mean, it's just, and it's only going to get larger. It's undeniable. Uh, yeah. So you could say that's good, bad, or otherwise. But it's very clear that it's almost if Bitcoin has any chance of success, it's either going to fail completely miserably or it's now been primed for literally what it was designed for. So if that's the case and, and some of these primitives are holding true, like you could make that argument that, wow, that looks awfully interesting. So to to now buy lots of Bitcoin literally as an inflationary hedge or a hedge against inflation 
given all this stimulus that probably is, I mean, for the foreseeable future, I don't think people are betting that there isn't going to be trillions and trillions of, of dollars and all other global currencies being printed. Um, it gets, that, that gets pretty interesting uh, to a company that has cash, cash reserves. Most of the times when we're about to wrap up the episode, we ask, you know, how can the average consumer use your product? Where do they go to get it? How do they interact with it? But usually the answer is something along the lines of, oh, you got to go to GitHub, download this Docker image, you know, read this, you know, 5,000 page manual on how to be a junior Linux system admin just to get off the ground. And I know you can't turn over your entire deck of cards, but at least hit us with some places in the real world that are Flexa enabled right now. If we want to go spend our Bitcoin or Litecoin on the Flexa network at a real merchant. Oh, yeah. Um, so if you want to do it literally today um, across the U.S., um, you could use uh, Nordstrom, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, uh, Petco, uh, a few movie theaters. Uh, we actually had lots of movie theaters. Those have been struggling a little bit right now. Um, but all of those are eligible and live literally right now uh, on Flexa. Wow. And actually just kind of spurred one more thought before we let you go. I know we're already over time here, but like as a CEO, like how do you, I I know you said that you get a lot of inbound, right? People saying, Hey, there's demand for this. Uh, There's some inbound stuff that you field, but outbound, like how do you go and, and, and get that merchant? Are you, are there merchant aggregators that you go and talk to unions or do you just go direct to the, to the point? Yeah, it's uh, it, um, we do it directly. Every single one of the relationships we have is, is direct and it takes a lot of time. Uh, we've been in the business work. for a long time. And ultimately, even with that, so, you know, there's definitely some challenges to the scalability, but when building something that someone actually intensely wants, where we're able to go to them and say, here's how much you're, you're paying for uh, payment processing now. Here's, here's literally how much it costs. Here's what the fraud is. Here's how long it takes. Here's the complexity around this. Here's what your reserve ratios are. All, all these factors. And we say we literally beat all of that, uh, potentially with orders of magnitude. It's almost a no-brainer. And so when we can deliver that to them in a way that, that works, that is also secure, it's trusted, uh, the risks are very minimized, it just becomes, and, and then the business model works for them, uh, it, it becomes a much easier sell. And as, as traction starts to build, as momentum builds, it's one of those things where, you know, we're hoping it's going to be the, you know, the overnight 10-year success, right? Where something just comes out and completely transforms the way that people are, are acting and responding. But, you know, it really was a lot of work behind the scenes, getting it all built up that no one really sees throughout those years. And we're very happy to do that because we're, we're set on what this looks like uh, years from now and how just incredibly massive this can be. And we're just really motivated to do that. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can get there. So far, all of the signs uh, are, are trending very well. And just, yeah, from the, you know, the technology, the economic signs, and then it's also we're building something that people inherently really, really will find valuable. <clears throat> yeah, 100%. And we're very grateful for all your hard work, you and the team over there. Before we let you go, we just got one closing question, then we'll send you back to... Uh, your office to continue working late into the night, I'm sure. <laughs> aside from you guys, aside from anyone that you're directly invested in, you know, what's one company in the crypto space that, you know, you're keeping your eye on, you're keeping tabs on because you're really impressed by the things they're doing over there? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I would say 
probably, if I had to summarize it, uh, would be Compound. So the the decentralized borrowed lending protocol. And there's a few reasons for it. Um, one, not only is it very popular, most people already know this and probably already use it as it is, but they're one of the few, and they're even a really good guiding light for us in that they've taken the right approach to this stuff. And that all you do is all the time you read about all these hacks and, and lost funds and and unaudited contracts, and that is what it is. But being able to build a product that now has billions and billions of dollars locked and used in their platform, doing it in a compliant way, doing it in the methodical way, not just adding every single coin that they possibly can to grow more liquidity, but doing it in a very sustainable way. You know, they're probably the only crypto project in history that has like a, uh, more than a $100,000 bug bounty on their homepage and all the other audits that they've, that they've paid for and really gone about this in the, the right way, not only just legally, but even prudently of, even when you look at like governance, right? It, it's really easy for people to say, you know, decentralize all the things and get all the voters and all these other things. Well, if you have 90% of people that don't really care about your thing, like that doesn't really solve the problem either. So there's a method towards going to fully decentralized people that have vested ownership that care about your thing that are users. And I think they've just got a really great model for that of delegating votes to interested parties, you know, slowly trying to get more and more of the tokens out in the supply, right? They do have large investors, but you you can smooth that out and it doesn't have to be massive big ipos you know dumping shares on on retail investors and things like that like i don't think it has to be like that i think they've been a really proud example of that what i've seen just professionally the the entire organization the people behind it and you're gonna see it it's a really quality product um they haven't lost money they've been very proud of what they've done and it's kind of like almost like the the blue chip like grandfather project at this point, even though it's like only like a couple of years old, but it feels like that of all these other things that are moving very quickly. And they have all these, you know, shiny new kind of this feature or that feature. It's like, Hey, we're, we're going to make the thing that we do really, really good. And I look at it as, wow, if, if, if that becomes some sort of a standard, think about all the other entities, as you talked about earlier, you know, uh, with the banks, uh, think they would probably want to use something like that, right? Like uh, for them to be able to have their own currencies that they've then created, they can now put them in some of a pool and earn interest of how they then lend them out to people. I mean, it's literally how a bank functions is taking in currency and then lending something out at some ratio. Um, So if Compound is able to do that for them in a much, much better way, it just gets interesting. Um, And again, I don't have any knowledge otherwise of those things, but I just look at it as, Wow, they're they're onto something. They're doing this the right way. They're not going after artificial growth. They're really trying to make this a, a valuable, real thing. And you see it reflected in everything that they do and the professionalism they have. And there's something there. So that I think has the potential now. I mean, even right now, billions of dollars of capital locked. Um, I think it can be very, very impactful. And they're integrated with everyone. So there's so much behind the scenes that. That Sometimes was the point that people don't realize yet. <laughs> yeah, that, that, yeah, that was the point I was going to say. And, you know, everybody forks their code and integrates it into their own project and everybody has inlets and outlets with them. And yeah, they are, they're yeah. very well on their way to be a, um, almost like MakerDAO, right? Like a staple, just keystone uh, of, of the DeFi movement. 
Um, yeah, and, and it's not a it's not as prominent. You don't always see it because uh, it is behind the scenes. I'd say a lot of times whenever you're depositing assets somewhere, think about a variety of apps where you're depositing tokens and you're earning interest. I bet you know ninety percent plus it's compound behind the scenes, and they're doing that in a really seamless and elegant way, and that's. Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, so that's why I think it has the potential to be, if not, you know, one of, if not the largest impact um, on the industry, um, because the market they're addressing is like the largest market out there. So uh, that's a major piece. That's fascinating. Tyler, thank you so much for your time today. We look forward to having you back on real soon. Uh, and you're going to be speaking at the Crypto 2021 Summit as well, correct? Absolutely. That's great. Well, we'll look forward to seeing you then. And if we want to check out your full list of available merchants and everything else that uh, is Flexa Network, where do we go? Uh, so just go to flexa.network is the URL. Uh, if you have tokens that you'd like, flexa.network, um, everything is there. There's also a lot of Medium articles that we published around how all this stuff works. And then download even the Spedin app uh, on either the Google Play or the App Store. You'll see all the merchants available right there uh, in real time. So as any get added, you'll be able to literally see the list from there. Wow. Powerful stuff. All right, Tyler. Thank you so much. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. Uh, and take care of yourself, all right? Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having <laughs> me, guys. Cheers. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.